Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing. We just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. And I'm super glad to have you back with us this bright and early Monday morning for morning walk and photo talk with the Artist Forge. As you can see, we have our lovely moderators with us this morning, the amazing and ultra-talented Basa, Matt, Becca, and the lovely Kat. And now you, now you're here with us. And I'm really glad you are because today we're going to be talking about building self-confidence. And I know that this is one of those conversations I personally need to have multiple times in my life. <laughs> Maybe every couple months is good just to remind me of the things that I can do, kick me in the butt a little bit, and also take away any guilt or shame that I might feel um, as a result of not always being where I wish I was and how that can have a damper on my self-confidence. So that's the conversation today, y'all. Building self-confidence as an artist, as a creator, as a business person, as a you. So wherever you identify with needing this conversation most or with being the most competent, um, that's where I'd love to hear from you because I have lots of thoughts on this issue. Um, but first I want to know, when it comes to self-confidence, what do you all think is the most important thing? And how do you manage your own um, self-confidence? <laughs> um, so it's interesting. Self-confidence for me was actually something I learned to feign pretty well as a kid. Uh, I was bullied a lot for a really long time until probably like my sophomore year in high school. Uh, and like a lot um, by the same troop of people and like over and over again, la la la. And as I my, my physically grew, I realized that I was taller and larger than most of the people my age. Uh, and if I pretended to be strong and relatively like unapproachable, it gave me a little more distance between the bullying and my physical person. Uh, and that, you know, definitely grew into you're intimidating. Like I'm not intimidating. I'm just quiet and tall. Uh, but it, as an adult, like that carried through into things and I had to sort of relearn how to be approachable and outwardly kind and, and that kind of thing. Um, but actual self-confidence where I was able to sort of step into actually feeling strong and confident for, for lack of a better term, uh, it was in accomplishment and connection. Um, 
and from a business standpoint, you know, like I went to school for sound engineering. I didn't go to school for photography. Uh, and in that, like starting to work on accreditation and allowing myself opportunity to, to grow in my craft beyond the sales dollar, but actually start to, to master my tools and my process and my systems has allowed me to sort of gain some recognition there. And in that recognition, feel accomplished, uh, whether it's through awards or hitting sales goals or, you know, insert thing here, uh, allowed me to grow my actual confidence versus my feigned confidence as a, as a shield. I love what you just said so much, Kat. And I think that there's something so, so important there that I immediately latched onto um, because often when we have this conversation around self-confidence, there's, um, there can be a lot of talk around just, you know, saying things to yourself, right? Like I am this and I am this, and that's fantastic. Um, I totally think that one of the big things we have to do is change our internal narratives. And we'll talk about that um, later. But the thing that you said about becoming competent, right? And, and having these accomplishments just increases your credibility with yourself. And, and that's something we don't always talk about a lot, but is really important because confidence means belief in the ability to do what you say. And that's what credit is, right? Like when you, when you um, start to build your competence and you start to do things that prove your confidence back to yourself, then you're building credibility. Then you know that you can do the things that you say you're going to do. And it's not just um, a kind of nebulous feeling of like, I'm, I know that I can do the thing, which is important to have, but it's the proof. You have the proof there that says, Hey, you can do the thing. And that's a really, really important thing to have. And it's not, it's not always easy to build because you have to do the entire process of gaining the skill and repeating the skill and using that in practical ways and then being able to see the returns come back to you. And so that, whole thing is a journey and people oftentimes will get disheartened on that path and so they end up in this place of being the person who says um, I wish I could you're so talented I could never be that way etc etc when really all that happened is they never stayed on the path long enough to build the skill that that credibility then returned to them in the form of accomplishment and man, oftentimes all it takes is just staying on the path long enough to start to see those returns. So what kept you going before you started to have some of those accomplishments that were like proof of concept? Um, my inability to give attention to anything else. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, that's only half joking. Um, I, I've, I think I've talked about it in this room a few times, you know, when I, I started my photo business the same time I started uh, another business, the sake brewery. And I was working like 90 to 100 hours a week. 
uh, between the two and not executing either well. Uh, the, the sake was great. We received a lot of accolades, but we were severely underfunded and uh, there was just some, there were, there were many factors. Um, but when we closed the brewery, uh, it was a matter of, okay, now you don't have any more excuses. Now you can only focus on one thing so you can go get a job job, uh, which I did. I think I had four. Uh, or you can go get another job job and just stay there. And I didn't want to do that. Uh, I didn't want to work for somebody else, building somebody else's second home and building somebody else's dreams and building up somebody else's tuition for their, their kids. Uh, and so I said, okay, uh, if you're going to do it, then you have to go all in. And it was in betting on myself and my ability to go all in, uh, you know, even if I wasn't very good because I wasn't, uh, but I, I figured out how to build the business somewhat sustainably from a price point standpoint. And, uh, I just went after it. And about three years later, my work got kind of decent and, uh, but I was still making money through the whole thing. Uh, and it was my ability to, to ask for that sale and be compensated for my half rate work, uh, at, you know, a, a standard that was probably out of reach for the quality I was producing, but at the same time, it allowed me to, to practice and do the thing over and over and over again, uh, to get better. I, I just had a lot of feelings there um, when you're talking about basically the fact that you really didn't give yourself another choice, did you? I mean, I know that there was the potential of, you know, going and getting a real, we quote unquote, like a job job, right? Where you're working for somebody else and having that steady income. But you didn't, I mean, I know from talking to you that that was in a way kind of not an option. You did not want to, to be that person, right? Um, and so in a real way, you, you kind of jumped without a safety net, didn't you? Always do. Yes. And I think that says so much. Number one, when you take that leap, you're counting on your wings to show up on the way down. And there is almost nothing that will build your confidence in your ability to do hard things more than doing something hard without a fallback plan because you either succeed or you're gonna learn a lot through pain. And both of those things are gonna give you self-confidence and that credence in a way that you can't get through anything else. If you walk out onto a ropes course and you're tied up and you've got all of these you know, ropes on you, you can still go through the course. It's still scary as hell. And you're still going to earn credibility with yourself and being able to step out and do that thing. But stepping out without any safety net, without a rope tied to you, teaches you things about yourself that you're never going to learn any other way. And it's not always the best first step for everybody. Like you said, like up until that point, you had tried and failed at some things. You had had other jobs. You'd run other businesses you knew kind of what it was like to step out. And so taking this leap kind of 
seems like it became a natural extension of the leaps that you had taken before. There's a, a saying in uh, the fitness community, uh, primarily in CrossFit, uh, that's, but did you die? Right. <laughs> right. You know, like it didn't kill me. Did it hurt? Yeah. Shit. It hurt a lot. Um, but I held on to that thing, right? That when I was in college in 1997 and in a dark room for hours at a time, uh, thinking, man, this would be cool to do. This would be really cool to do for a living. And I just don't know how to do it. So I'm just going to go about my life. Right. And I got a job at Pizza Hut and, you know, life went on. Um, but now I'd found a way to do it as a business and for a living. Uh, so I just had to learn to do the thing. Uh, and, you know, here we are. Yeah. It's funny to take, you know, such an amazing life and condense it all of a sudden and go, and now, you know, here we are. Like, <laughs> um, when, we live our, <laughs> when we live our own lives, it's so easy to look back and say, you know, okay, well, here's the logic of A to B to C to D um, and how I got there. But when you get to hear it from the outside perspective, you get to, you know, partake in that story and, and be like, you are one bad bitch. <laughs> I'm something else. We'll call it that. Heck yeah. Yes, I love that. Okay, so what for me, what I really take away, and I'm, I'm so glad that you got to tell your story because it touches on a lot of the things that I really wanted to make sure that we covered. And two of those really big things being the fact that self-confidence without credibility is a mirage, right? It is, it's something we can say and repeat to ourselves many times, and it often may give us the courage to step out into the thing. So I think it still can't be overstated how important it is that we control our internal narrative. But at some point, we need to see returns from those actions in order for the credibility to actually mean something you can believe in, because that's kind of, you know, the heart of the term. And confidence comes from the fact that you know you can trust yourself to do the thing and to get the results that you need. And so as much as, um, as, much as controlling that narrative is important, and that's definitely something that we're going to get deep into because it's kind of the seed, right? Like it's the beginning. And it really doesn't matter so much if the initial stages are not necessarily true, right? Like you said, you had to kind of fake your way into a semblance of confidence at first. Um, and so many of us do so many times, we just have to talk ourselves into saying the thing to ourselves for a little bit. And soon, some of the actions and some of the feelings that are related to what we say to ourselves start to show up. But eventually, if we don't have the proof in the pudding to back up those thoughts that we have, we can't maintain telling ourselves that we can't maintain lying ourselves or lying to ourselves is what it feels like right over and over again if something doesn't show up to tell us hey it's true look 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 at the proof um so thank you so much for sharing that i think it's it's such an important thing for us to know as artists um that we need to be paying attention to when we start getting those returns and they don't have to be big at first 
It can be our first small client in our first crappy painting or photo who loves it and oh my God, we aren't the only ones. And that little tiny bit of proof can sustain us through the next hard part where we struggle to earn the rest of those skills or you know, to make that next sale or whatever it is. So it is a big deal, folks. Um, Matt, Bassam, Becca, any thoughts on how we build our self-confidence? What do you think is important about this process or what do you do that is successful for you? Well, second, well, it's, it's up to you, Matt. Anyways, um, yeah, myself, I mean, I, I'm, I consider myself quite self-confident in, 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 in most of the things I do. And I think it comes back from uh, what you said. It's, it's, it's the, the continual, continuous auto-feedback of accomplishments, many accomplishments. And it started way back. Uh, I think it comes back to my academics, uh, where as a, young, uh, as a young kid, I, it's not that I excelled in school. I wasn't like a you know, straight A student, 95, 98 average, things like that. Uh, but I always did well, and I did well without working very hard, right? And and that means I didn't study a lot, and as I and I, and I would do well, and I and I figured out that what what I did well is have the curiosity to understand the subject. I listened, I absorbed, I processed information, and I understood the subject. And and a lot of people do that, but a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people would memorize things, especially when it comes to things like mathematics and sciences. They'd memorize formulas, and then and, and you can't you can't win at math by just memorizing things. Eventually, you're gonna get caught. So I would take the extra step to to try to understand. And I was the type of guy that would study at night. People would be up till three or four in the morning studying for an exam. I would stop at eleven and say, "That's it. I'll figure it out on the test during the test." And I think it comes down to just having that curiosity and that analytical mind to understand things fundamentally, which put me in a position that I can stand on my feet, I can figure things out on the spot, and I, and I know I will succeed. I think that's the accumulation of, 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 of auto-feedback that I got. And I also, come to think of it, had, have had and probably still have a need to fit in, not to stand out. <laughs> All right. I was I was born in Lebanon, and I came to my family came to Canada. I was fourteen years old, so that was like forty five years ago, and uh, and I needed to fit in. I did not want to be the guy that stands out, that looks different, that sounds different. That so so by by it just it, ha, having that need to fit in, and that was just an example of how I want to fit in. I want to fit in professionally. I want to fit in with my job. I want to fit in as a photographer. Uh, it, it again it drove me to dig for those nuances i always talk about being able to understand the 30000 foot level but know exactly when to go deep down and figure out the details that make a difference and i think practicing that and living that and doing that throughout my career and whether it's in business or photography is what gives me the confidence that you know what i'll figure it out it'll happen it'll be more than good enough and i'm fine with that You know, Bassam, um, what you were just talking about there really touched on the fact that where we place the heart of our confidence is really important, right? So you weren't confident in the fact that you were the smartest kid in the room. You weren't confident in the fact that you could never fail or anything else. You were confident in the fact that you were curious enough to learn something deeply. 
And it's really amazing when we think about how, where we decide to place our confidence. And I say decide because as we get older, we need to recognize that who we build for ourselves, the person we build as ourselves is something we can control. When we're younger, we don't have a whole lot of, um, we don't have a whole lot of practical knowledge about how we are becoming the person we're becoming. We're mostly just in the experience. But as we get a little bit older, we're able to recognize the fact that where we choose to put our confidence um, is going to determine how successful that confidence actually becomes for us, whether it actually leads to results. And if you place your confidence in the fact that you are the smartest person in the room, eventually somebody is going to show up in your life who's going to shatter your confidence in yourself. If you put your confidence in the fact that you are the best photographer in the business, eventually you're going to come across the photographer who shatters that vision you have of yourself in your head. And all of a sudden your confidence is going to take a hit that it might not be able to recover from. And having confidence in the fact that you're curious enough to learn something deeply that is an almost unshatterable center, right? Like nobody can come at you for that. If you are curious, that's something you can maintain during your entire life in almost any circumstance. And saying, I'm willing to learn this thing deeply. I'm curious enough that I can do the deep dive into these things. That is a center of confidence that really can't be shaken. So it's pretty amazing that you were able to recognize that about yourself. Um, because like you said, you know, you've been able to maintain that confidence in yourself um, for, for pretty much your entire career. So that's a really kind of amazing testament to the fact that placing our confidence in a thing that is not easily broken is a pretty big deal. You know, it's absolutely amazing what you just said because I never thought of it that way. But th that is a brilliant way of looking of, of looking at and, and trying to see where people are coming from. Is where do they place their confidence? And I, I'm I'm going to remember that and use it in, in many many things I do, especially coaching. Um, but th but the thing, the other thing about that, when you put your confidence in something that's internal to you that you own and nobody else does and nobody else can impact, it's a transferable skill. Right, it really is. It's yours. You can take it anywhere you want. You can take it into into you know basket weaving, and you can take it into photography. You can take it into becoming a CEO of a company. It's the same, uh, same, same uh, skill set, I guess, or same way of being. So yeah, it's transferable, and 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 that's why it it's it it, it lives. Right, it's not temporary. It can't be shattered by somebody unless you do it yourself. Unless you shatter it yourself. Ooh, so true. And of course. <laughs> I mean, we've talked a little bit about sometimes when we have self-destructive habits, we can do that to ourselves. So we, we do need to be aware of that, which is why that internal monologue is important. So, and we'll get to that later as well. But Matt, you were also going to share self-confidence. How do you get it? How do you keep it? What do you think is important about that process? I'm still trying to figure all that out because from a self-confidence standpoint, I've always had extraordinarily little, um, but Listening to Bassam, and I'm so glad that he was able to speak first because he said so many of the things that I hadn't really formulated in my head but absolutely agree with. I think for me, my confidence is I have difficulty with confidence in the work that I produce, but I have unwavering confidence in myself 
to produce quality work over a period of time. I'm not one of these people that will be, oh, this first go is going to be perfect and everyone's going to love what I do. It takes me a while to produce work or um, start something new or whatnot. Once I see that I'm capable of doing it, then I have the utmost confidence that I'm going to get infinitely better at that thing and there's no one that can stop me from getting there but me. And I think when we start to put our own power into what other people think about what our work is, it takes and erodes our confidence away from us producing that thing. So if I'm building a table or I'm painting a painting or I'm crocheting a blanket, if I'm worried about what people think at the end of that thing, then I'm already defeating myself and wondering, am I going to be good enough with this? For me, I put all of that aside and I say, am I, can I push myself? Am I capable enough of doing this thing? So when it comes to photography, for me, for example, it, the more I stay off social media, the more I stay away from the comparison game and stop looking at other people's work, the more confident I feel in my own stuff. Now, when I put myself in a position where it's being viewed by others, whether that's online or in a competition or just casual viewing by friends, I'm much more confident in it because I haven't been doing any comparison. I've just had faith in myself. So how I got there was very similar to Cat's story. I was bullied a lot as a kid and just had to build up the confidence in myself that I could do anything that I didn't necessarily need anybody to tell me that I was good. I just needed to prove it to myself. So over time, for me, it's a matter of um, get ridding, getting rid of those external affirmations as a need for justification of what I'm doing. As long as I have faith that I'm capable of this thing, then I can do anything, I'm not necessarily going to be a professional basketball player because of, you know, genetics. However, I would put myself up against anybody playing basketball because I love doing it and I have confidence that I can do it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, that's where it all comes from for me. Oh, man. Oh, man. There's so much good stuff there. Okay, Matt, you said something that I think is so critical and almost never gets any airtime is that there's a difference between having confidence in our ability to get people to like what we do and confidence in our ability to do the thing, right? And one of those is something that's within our control. If people remember, for y'all that were here, um, you might remember what I was talking about last week about throwing a baseball. You have, once the baseball leaves your fingertips, you have no control about where that ball goes because there's are things outside of your control that are gonna affect how it flies from wind to a dog running in between you and the, the ball, et cetera, et cetera, right? There are just too many things to account for. So thinking that you have control over the eventual outcome of the throw is foolish, but knowing that you have control over how you stand, how you hold the ball, how you breathe, how you release, all of those things, you can have confidence in those things because those are things that you actually do. Once the ball leaves your hand, it's up to God in the universe, right? And the same thing is true about what you said, Matt, 
if we put our confidence in the ability to make things that people love, and then our confidence is built on the approbation we get because of what we make, we are definitely setting ourselves up for a failure because at some point we're going to make something that people don't like. At some point, it's not going to be that good. And all of a sudden, that source of confidence, that approbation that we get is going to dry up. But if we're careful to place our confidence and our just our ability to do the job, like I mentioned Peggy Sirota last week. She is a photographer, a commercial portrait photographer. You've seen her work all, all over the place, magazine covers all over the place. She photographs some of the most famous people in the world. She is not a confident photographer in terms of technique. She will share the fact and has shared the fact that when it comes to things like, you know, deciding on which settings and putting her lights in certain places, she really doesn't do those things. That's up to her assistants. What she is confident in is her ability to connect with people and then the outcome, the strike, the perfectly thrown ball flows from the fact that she knows where her power lies and that's in the ability to connect. So I think, I think man, your example is just so powerful because it reminds us that the ultimate outcome is subject to powers that are beyond our control. Sorry for the car, guys. But our ability to do the thing, to make the decisions, to decide how to stand and how to connect, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that's all on us, right? Yes, absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> I thought that was a rhetorical question at the end. Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. So for me, that's, that's really how it all boils down. It's looking at, like you said, what you can control and what you cannot. I know that I can control my actions. I know that I can control my output. I can control very little outside of that. So once I can prove to myself that a thing can be done, then there's no stopping me. However, there is also that little voice inside. It's like, oh, am I capable of this? But what I do to combat that is say, well, I've done all these other things that I never thought I could do. What would make me believe that this story that's going on in my head is any different? Why would I believe that I'm incapable of doing this? You know, so I think as long as you can look at it and reframe it and make sure that you're not telling yourself a story or a narrative that just isn't true because it has no basis in fact. Nothing's ever been proven that you can't do it. So go ahead and try it. You never know. And that's where, for me, my confidence has always come from. Expanding my skill set, whether it's language or, you know, blue-collar skills or white-collar skills or tech skills, whatever it is, all of those things teach me that I can pretty much do anything so long as I believe that narrative. The second that I start telling myself, well, you can't do this thing, then, you know, then it's all over. Then it's a more of a, a battle with myself than anything else. So, um, yeah, it's just having that belief, proving yourself wrong that, no, actually, I can do this. That's where it comes from for me. That's how confidence stems in, in me. Heck, yeah. Her muscles. And, yeah, there definitely seems to be a tension between being careful not to put all of our eggs in the basket of approbation and feedback, but also needing that proof as a return on investment 
um, and being careful to see those things as proof of concept and not the seat of confidence. So there's certainly some subtle tension, I think, that goes into that and relies on us to be able to weigh those things, recognizing the difference between um, I can control my output, I can't control whether people like it, to I can judge the fact that this output is good, meaning the process is good, as opposed to I must rely solely on the feedback of others in order to feel good about what I've done. So there's definitely, definitely a, a, even a whole conversation in that in and of itself. So, um, Becca, it is your turn. Oh, boy, Confidence. Oh boy. How do you get it? How do you keep it? All the things. How do I do all the things? Um, well, I'm, it's, it's interesting to think about because I, I definitely am very self-confident in a lot of ways. And then, of course, there's places where I absolutely freeze up in terror and I'm not confident in myself at all. Um, but just kind of thinking about what what could sustain that. So, like, when we were talking about goals last week, and I, I mentioned, you know, being really rooted in the small goals um, and, and being in love with your journey, right? Like, focusing less on the large eventual goals and being really rooted in the here and now. And that definitely ties in a lot to confidence for me. And I, I don't really have like huge, ambitious, really long term goals because life is so nebulous. You know, you never know what is going to happen and really like holding on super tightly and like tying my identity to any long term eventual future goal, I feel like is setting myself up for failure. Uh, because what if something happens that doesn't allow me to reach that goal? That doesn't mean I'm failing and my you know, life is an utter mess and I need to give up. It just means I need to change and I need to develop. And so being really rooted in who I am at any given moment, um, I think is so important because you, I mean, I guess in the words of the great literary master, Dr. Seuss, there's no one alive who is fewer than you. And you can't right now, um, be the you that you want to be in five years or be the you you want to be even one year you are who you are right now today and you can only do the very best that you can do today you can't do any better um and so just being very cognizant of what you are capable of and then you know leaning into that development of competence and focusing on continuing to learn from where you are right now i just think is so absolutely important Applause, applause. I mean, I agree 100%. And that you're, what you're doing for yourself is kind of creating a short-term feedback loop, right? Which is, as many of you know, I'm going to be participating in NaNoWriMo this month, which is the National Novel Writing Month. And the goal is that by the end of the month, you will have written 50,000 words of a novel, whether that finishes the novel or gets it three quarters of the way there or whatever isn't necessarily important, but the goal is 50,000 words. And if you start from the beginning and you're thinking to yourself, 50,000 words, oh my God, that's a lot of words. How am I going to do that? How can I fit that in? Uh, man, it just seems like this big, overpowering, impossible thing to get your hands on. But if I ask myself, can I write 1,600 words today? Well, yeah, I mean, I can do that. So if I can do that today, and then 
by this evening, I'm sitting down and I have 1600 words on my page. Well, man, I mean, I've just proved I can do it. What makes tomorrow any different? And then if I do that, if I do that every day, by the end of the month, 50,000 has happened. I haven't taken any kind of extraordinary steps. I've done the small thing that I can do today and proved to myself that I can show up over and over again. All of a sudden, I have credibility with myself. I can believe in my ability to show up and just write 1,600 words. The outcome is 50,000 at the end of the month, is 100,000 at the end of two months. So all of a sudden, those goals that seem so big, those things are right within reach if we can believe in ourselves to do the small stuff today. So that's a pretty big one, Becca. Yeah, and I mean, it's, I I think it's okay, too, to realize, like, you're not going to reach every goal you have, and that is totally okay. It's totally okay. No one does. Like, I I don't think that there's a single person who hits every single goal, and um, that's another thing for me, is, like, looking at, you know, people I admire, you know, people whose careers I would maybe, you know, like to emulate in some way, or people's success, every single one of those people has been new at something and has had to go through struggle to get to where they are and recognizing that not everything has to be perfect, that you're going through this own journey and that's going to include failure and success. And, you know, again, you, you are doing the best that you possibly can do for yourself and looking specifically at um, imaginary you in the future, or even at like other people and trying to emulate their success exactly is not going to work because that's just not how life works. So everyone's gone through the process. Everyone's gone through some journey and some hardship. And so whatever you're going through right now, that is part of that. And it's totally okay. Yes, 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 yes. Especially because those, you're always in the process of becoming And if you didn't reach the goal, you still showed up for yourself. And that leaves a mark on you, you know, like that leaves a mark on who you are, which means the next time it's time to show up, you are facilitating becoming the kind of person who shows up. Maybe you didn't reach the 1600, but you still showed up for yourself. And that, that is a step in the direction of becoming the kind of person who, right? Like when you ask yourself, am I the kind of person who? Or tell yourself, I am the kind of person who, like, maybe I can't say for sure that I'll reach 1,600 words a day, but I sure as hell am going to show up for myself and give it a go. And if I didn't make it, that's not the end of the world. I know that I can show up for myself again tomorrow. That's an internal thing that's not necessarily based on the outcome. I think it's also important to note, too, that when you're existing through, I don't know, your business, right? If you don't have goals set for yourself, you could very easily just go through and rinse, repeat, cookie cut, the whole nine yards. But when you set goals for yourself that maybe are outside of your comfort zone, like 1600 words a day, or, you know, reaching new sales targets, or, you know, insert thing here, um, you're more likely to, even if you fail at the, the goal itself, you will get closer to that goal than you would without having it in the first place. Like when you yeah. start something, you will get closer to that thing than you would when you were not striving and you were just existing and in motion. 
Yeah, absolutely. So much of what we've talked about today relies on some level of tension, right? On, um, on setting goals, but not being crushed when we don't achieve them. On building that competence in our skill set, but recognizing we can't always control the outcome. I mean, there's this tension that runs through all of this conversation. And just like anything, I mean, we have to recognize the shades of gray and the areas where we have to step lightly um, and ultimately becoming in a way unbreakable. And I don't mean that in the fact that we will never feel bad or that we will never, you know, have a hard time, never question ourselves or any of that stuff. But what I mean is that it never stops you from picking up all the pieces and chugging on with them again. And having confidence, one of the things that I, I really want to teach my boys um, and that we try to focus on is giving them opportunities to see that they can do hard things. And sometimes that means going out and doing, you know, multi-day hike and camp and you got to live on what you brought with you. And sometimes that's um, maybe we're out climbing and they're doing a route that's really hard and just encouraging them to finish even though they're scared because they need to see that they can overcome those hard things. And of course they recognize that they've got safety gear on and please don't think that I'm out there putting my children in danger. Um, but just giving them the ability to prove to themselves, to build that credibility that when something is hard, they're capable of pushing through, even if it only means getting up another foot or making one more handhold or whatever it is to go that little step beyond where you thought you could. So you can prove to yourself the next time it comes along, you can, um, is, is such a big thing. Something that I think our systems are built to overlook. Um, we want people to go just about as far as they're comfortable with and that's all. But in your life, you need to know that you're capable of pushing past those comfort zones. So I wanna make sure that we have time to hear from our friends in the audience today. Joshua has got his hand up. I did not make my, my mods mods. I'm doing that right now. Sorry for the delay, guys. I was already walking fast this morning and I overlooked my responsibilities. Joshua, I'm, uh, I see that your hand is up. For some reason, it's not showing up down there at the bottom though. So I'm gonna grab you anyways. But if, uh, if you're in the audience today and you have a thought about confidence, what it means, how we build it, how we can sustain it, or if you feel that there's areas you are really comfortable with sharing about your confidence in those areas and how you got there, would love to hear from you this morning. So please feel free to raise your hand. We will bring you up and you can share. Uh, Joshua, good morning. What are your thoughts on confidence this morning? Good morning. Um, I jumped in a little bit late, um, but I really liked uh, what Becca was saying when it came to, to goal setting. Um, but I would argue that there are some people that do hit their goals that they set. They hit all of them. Um, but that's even more dangerous than coming up short. And that's because they're setting goals that are so easily attainable, they literally just wake up and the goal is met. Um, and, it, and that creates a false sense of confidence in your ability to do something because you've literally done nothing to stretch yourself. You've done nothing to grow. Um, all you did was meet a goal that ultimately met nothing. 
Um, and that's something that I, I learned uh, when I, I used to have a software company uh, that I started with a buddy of mine. And we were going out trying to sell it. Um, and, you know, initially we were just need, we need to get some schools in the system to be beta testers. We need to get some customers in to be beta testers. And I would go to all these meetings and I'd, I'd leave every meeting with with everyone saying yes to everything I was asking for. And eventually, you know, we were opening up and we were selling and every meeting uh, we were, I was leaving, I was getting a sale. And everybody was saying yes. And eventually I was like, you know, I'm, I'm meeting all of my goals, like I'm making all these sales. But I, I quickly came to the realization if everyone is saying yes all of the time, then I'm not stretching myself. I'm not getting enough. I'm not selling enough. I'm not asking big enough. Um, and so by me getting yes all the time and building my confidence, I was actually hurting us because I wasn't actually getting to where we needed to be. I was just so happy to be able to get that yes, which was my baseline uh, goal, rather than ultimately you know, stepping back and looking at what we needed to do to grow and what was a legitimate goal, what was a stretch goal, what would require some work and some effort, and what would ultimately, what would I fail at trying to do but I would be able to ultimately achieve. That's a great point. Thank you for calling me out on that. I know I can be a little hyperbolic sometimes, um, but yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up, Joshua, because I think I think you're absolutely right. And maybe the initial stages of our confidence often begin with those things like those, those first sales and those first successes. Um, but you, I mean, you're absolutely right that at some point we have to question whether or not we should stay in that place, in that comfort zone. Um, because if our goal, our goal is to reach the heights, um, we're never going to get there by being comfortable. That absolutely requires the danger of failure. And it's, I think, so important for us to recognize. I've mentioned before, I know we've talked about this, the fact that the word failure is kind of a, a bad word in this room but not because of the meaning of the word itself, but because of what we attach to it, this idea that failure means the end, right? And really, it's just a really, um, I've heard somebody say this before, it's an information-rich data stream. It basically is a way for us to learn a whole lot um, that we can then turn around and be like, all right, cool, um, I failed on my way to something. and that means that I already made it as far as where that thing stopped. That's the springboard now. That place that it ended, that's the springboard to the next place. And I have all the information I need to get me through there. So we have to be really careful that when we're looking at these, this, um, this information that we get back, this kind of feedback loop that we have, action, reaction by the environment, and then us decoding what that reaction means and putting those next steps into place. We do have to be careful that when what we get back is not what we want, we don't look at that as the end, which means didn't go where I wanted to, which means I'm a failure, which means I'm never gonna be good at this, which means I should just give up, right? We have to be careful that that thought process does not extend from something that makes a lot of sense I didn't push for stretch goals. The company did not get to the stretch goal. Therefore, I am a failure. That is not A plus B equals C, right? You're jumping over information there. Yeah, well, also in the startup world, there's this belief that money fixes everything. And what ends up happening a lot of times is, is young companies end up raising money really early before they stretch themselves, before they figure things out. And what they end up doing is they get money and, and money is, you know, a 
a catalyst, right? It, it's what you, you burn it so you grow fast. And the problem is if you don't make those those errors in the beginning, if you don't learn from those in the beginning before you before you hit that catalyst point or that, that point of like significant growth, then you pour the money on it, which is pouring fuel on the fire, but your fire is burning down your building rather than lighting your rocket. Um, and that's just as dangerous. Oof. That was a knowledge bomb there. Yes, so much. You're absolutely right. Um, not only is it a catalyst, then it can become a Band-Aid, right? And so you've got that Band-Aid on and the wound is festering underneath and you don't even know it. So, man, that's such a good, a good point and something that's really important for us to keep in mind um, as, we, as we do try to stretch ourselves and making sure, as we've mentioned before, that we are using the right metrics to measure things and that comes back to confidence as well. If that metric that we're using is something that can be taken or broken, then obviously at some point it will be. And so we have to understand that and keep that in mind. Um, Linus, I saw that your hand was up. I was trying to grab you. Um, I'm not sure if it's working. For some reason, the hands up have not been showing for me as notifications on the bottom. So I might need to uh, update my, my clubhouse, but I see you've been able to join us. Would love to hear your thoughts on confidence this morning. Hi, Nicole. Uh, it's a morning walk and photo talk, right? So as an artist room, I assume that uh, we are talking in the context of a photographer a little bit or just as a person? You know what? We really believe that the people that we are also determine how well we do as photographers. So wherever you mm -hmm. feel the most comfortable talking about this, whether that's uh, business or personal or work itself, um, would love to hear it. I, I would just like to make sure that I'm in context, you know, how some people would just invade rooms and talk out of context. Yes, so I, I appreciate that. that. And yes, yeah. you're good so to go. I was listening to you and I was listening to you and then um, what you are say, what you just said, uh, in short, basically is you, we should not let our failures uh, basically deter us. We should let, you know, our failings is not the end of us. Uh, I have something to add to that, actually. I think that sometimes our failings become our greatness. Because there is, um, the thing about photography is that, you know, like, when you are learning, it is actually a process of comparing, a process of basically, uh, you, you, you take your pictures and then you compare it to the works of other photographers, especially when you are new, right? You, you are always searching for what would sell and what would define you and how can you get better. So when when you go into this process of comparing to others, you, you, you tend to have this, you, you would sometimes put yourself into a box whereby, you know, you're, you're always judging yourself like, you know, like sometimes you may have taken a really nice picture that you have in a nice picture in the sense that you have infused all the meaning that you know you've thought about the picture you've got exposure right you you maybe got the right setting or the right talent or whatsoever and you're really proud of the picture and in today's world all it takes sometimes is a google search and then you find a picture that has you know similar themes and it's better than you and then sometimes you will go like oh shit you know then suddenly that picture that you take that uh was just a moment ago so great to you it doesn't become that good after all so uh just to give you a bit of my history i'm actually a dop a director of photography i started in 35mm film and uh now i work i work mainly on digital but i still load my hasselblad with film and i still love to take film even though even though it's a harder process in the sense that i need to 
uh, how you say, take the light meter reading, figure it out before I press the tick button. Um, I actually really like the imperfection of film. Uh, I, I really like the grain. Sometimes I even expose wrongly because sometimes, you know, the, the, the bad exposure and the slight grain, it, it, it heralds back to when the time before I became a photographer, the time when I was a small boy and the time when my non-father photographer would try to take a picture of me on film and he may have hit the exposure wrong. So the picture comes out a little bit grainy, a little bit imperfect. And <clears throat> that has a very sentimental kind of feeling for me. So the thing is that what the point that I'm trying to make is um, why, why do we let perfection define us, you know, when there is so much heart in just doing what you do? And sometimes when you are just aiming for perfection and, you know, when you just keep on looking and letting society be the judge of what is right, you no longer do what you inherently want to do and what you inherently set out to do. So I was very, very lucky because in my career, uh, where everybody is always trying to chase, you know, what is the shiniest, glossiest picture. Um, when I was actually serving my internship, when I was actually serving, you know, like making my steps up, I met with a director in Malaysia and she became my mentor and she was one of the uh, more renowned director in my country. I'm from Malaysia. And the way that she does things is now actually emulated by a lot of people in the world. And the way that she does things is that she wants to do it humbly and she wants to basically make pictures that are not perfect, but pictures that resemble the, the society that she sees in, in the everyday, you know, warts and all. And for that, she was very much loved and her work uh, shines. And today I find myself often asking my client, you know, what do you want to say? What do you want to say in the picture? And does it really need to be glossy? Does everything in front of your eye look glossy? Or do you see the imperfection? And maybe we should just infuse a little bit of that imperfection. So I hope that I've contributed to this room. And if you do like my share, I would appreciate, I have a small YouTube, uh, it's, on my, it's on my profile, Great Little Stories. I would appreciate if you just come by. It doesn't, you don't have to subscribe if you don't like it. Thank you very much for the room. And thank you very much, Nicole. Thank you for joining us today, Linus. And yeah, um, folks, go, go ahead and check his YouTube out. Um, I think you, you bring up some really important and valid points. And there's certainly a question of whether or not we should be chasing um, perfection. You know, um, I've argued before that I don't think perfection is a real thing. I think it is an illusion. Um, that is 100%, you know, based off of the idea that it's possible <laughs> to actually be without error or failure, which I, I don't believe is true. But I really love that you bring up the fact that there is real beauty in those imperfections and the fact that oftentimes, more than our successes, our identity comes from our failures, um, which is why it's something that we should not be afraid of because the times that we do succeed in the future are ultimately based on 
what failures we had, what we learned from those things and how overcoming defined us, how it helps to define who we are and how that person shows up in life. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that we're careful in here about using the word failure because oftentimes when people have different definitions, you kind of smuggle your own definition into the thing based on your experience in your life. That's the way communication works. But it's so important to keep in mind that we look at failure as, as a society often, um, particularly Western society, is, is such a negative thing. And really, it can become an absolute thing of beauty because of what it brings about in our life. And I've seen this happen so many times. I've felt it myself, gone through the struggle of recognizing that I've built my identity and based my self-confidence in a place that was breakable. Um, and I've had to watch myself and, and have the fight of becoming that new person as a result of those breaks. And all of the sudden, because I know what that looks like and what that feels like, um, I'm able to see and find the beauty in it. So as we come to the end, or as we are at the end of our hour today, I want to just recap a little bit of what we talked about over the course of our hour this morning and understanding first that when we look at something like self-confidence as an artist, as a person, the first thing that we need to understand is that the seat of our confidence is either something that is breakable or it's something that is flexible. And if you choose to allow yourself to become confident in outcomes rather than confident in an ability or a proclivity for something, there really is the chance that those things are going to fall apart because we cannot control the end game. We can only control how we play. Also, understanding that when we talk about self-confidence, what we're really talking about is our credibility with ourself. Can I believe myself when I say I'm going to do this thing? If I can, that's where the confidence comes from. And oftentimes that requires building a skill set, going through the difficulty, and then having some kind of proof on the other side that will represent what we've done. It becomes a feedback loop. And in order to do any of this stuff, the first thing we have to do is be paying attention to who we believe ourselves to be and what we say about ourselves to ourselves. So I, I mentioned earlier, I was going to touch on this as Kat was talking about, you know, her experience as uh, a, a younger person being bullied and then how she kind of faked her way into that initial appearance of confidence that began to grow over time. And everything starts in our head. Everything starts with what we say to ourselves and about ourselves because what you believe to be true will be true for you and that it will affect how you behave and the results that you get back. And if I tell myself, I'm no good at this, I'm never going to be able to do it, I'll never sell this much, I'll never take this shot, I'll never work with this person, 
I'll never see myself in this life that I would have dreamed about for myself. If I tell myself those things often enough, my behavior will reflect those things and the outcome will reflect the behavior. So we have to watch the stories that we tell ourselves. I know that anybody who's been here with us for any amount of time will recognize this as the main through line for me because it is the most important thing we can do. The stories that we tell ourselves are the key to everything we do and believe about who we are. If you tell yourself that the good results are chance and fate, that's what you're going to believe. You will behave like you have no control over the outcome. If you tell yourself that the results are based on not my ability to control fate, but my ability to work hard, then working hard becomes the pathway. So the things that we tell ourselves ultimately become reality for us. And if, sorry, you probably just heard uh, my watch telling me that I did a good job walking this morning. <laughs> um, yeah. So if we want to look at self-confidence as something we can build and achieve for ourselves, whether that is in who we are, in the work that we produce, in our ability to make an income from the work that we produce, all of these different areas, everything begins with what we tell ourselves, with our internal narrative, with that monologue, the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are. And then that extends out into where that confidence is placed. Are we placing it in our ability to get results? Are we placing it in our ability to do a thing? If I place my self-confidence in my ability to work hard, to be curious, and to have, to know that my motivation will always be centered in love, recognizing that to do a thing for somebody else means I believe that I am doing something that is serving their best interest. That's not something that will be easily taken from me by circumstance. Almost no matter where I'm at, that is something I will be able to fall back in and have confidence in because it cannot be broken by somebody reacting to me badly, not liking my work, not buying the photograph. None of those things can affect me understanding that my motivation comes out of a place of love. So the stories we tell ourselves, knowing where that self-confidence is at, recognizing that we as people are malleable and if we have narratives and behaviors that don't serve us, those things can be changed. You don't have to be the person that you are today, tomorrow, if you don't want to be. But like Becca said, those things are small goals. We're always taking small steps towards something. We get to choose what that thing is. And giving ourselves those little wins every single day that reinforce our confidence, that reinforce our abilities to do the things that we say we want to do, and then doing hard things and recognizing that failure will sometimes be a result and that that is not the end. It is part of the journey and it becomes beautiful that way. Kat mentioned some of the difficulties that she had when beginning her career and that she basically was taking, she was taking salto mortale. She was taking a leap into the void. She was jumping to her death and counting on wings to grow on the way down. And there is a kind of internal strength that happens when you take those risks, when you push yourself so far outside of your comfort zone, that the only choice you have is to succeed. There's a strength in that. And failure is inevitable 
when you jump often enough. But remember that that failure becomes a springboard to the next thing. So today was a really amazing conversation. So much great insight and feedback into human nature and into the way we think and into different things that we can do if we are sitting in a place where we don't have a whole lot of confidence in ourselves. And that encouragement to go out, to do hard things, to to build credibility with ourselves, to recognize that if we just start by showing up for ourselves, that is the first step. And also recognizing that the power and the belief should come from us being able to do the thing and not control the outcome. I can control how I stand. I can control how I hold the baseball. I can control how I release the baseball and how I breathe. I can't control whether or not the baseball hits the glove. That part of it isn't up to me. So focus on the things that we can control. Recognize that there is no such thing ultimately as a wrong outcome if we can learn from it and integrate it. And also, like Becca said, where you're at today is okay. Where you're at today is beautiful and good, but it doesn't also have to be where you're going to be tomorrow. You get to make that decision for yourself. So I'm so glad you were here with us today. Thank you to everybody who came up and shared your experiences, your, your insights. It's so, so powerful. And I really hope that you will join us again tomorrow morning, bright and early at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's 6 a.m. for the West Coast in the U.S., 9 a.m. for the East Coast, usually late afternoon for our friends overseas. Um, Come hang out with us. We're always in here looking at how we can be the bridge between technique and art. And go make something amazing. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. Have a fantastic day, everybody. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.